Blog Talk Radio. Radio. You know, do you ever wonder what it would be like to have superpowers? 
And I think there are times when we all wish we had some superpower. I know I've said things to myself like, make me invisible now. You know those situations. We all have them. Perhaps some of you would prefer to fly or have a super strength or maybe x-ray vision. I don't know. The interesting thing about superpowers is that we really already do have them. We just haven't taken the time to learn how to use them or figure out what they are and then integrate them properly into our lives. It can be done. And we will be discussing all of this in just a few minutes, so stay tuned to learn more about how to unleash your superpowers. This is T. Love, your host here at Energy Awareness Radio. I am a reconnective healing practitioner, certified vibrational sound therapist, and positive psychology practitioner at Quantum Wellness Center, my private practice, located in Sussex County, New Jersey, where Energy Awareness Radio streams to you live each and every week. Energy Awareness Radio is happy to be sponsored by Audible.com, a leading provider of spoken audio, digital entertainment, and information. Audible.com has more than 180,000 audiobooks and spoken word audio products to choose from, so you can listen whenever and wherever you want. Just download the title you prefer, free of charge, and start listening when you sign up for a 30-day trial at audibletrial.com slash energyawareness. That's audibletrial.com slash energy awareness. My guest, Keisha Gallegos, is a certified master life coach, author, speaker, intuitive consultant, and mojo whisperer. She coaches private clients and groups on life purpose, business, relationships, and spirituality, and she's here to discuss her book, The Little Book of Big Mojo, The Secret Decoder Ring to Unleash Your Superpowers. So welcome to the show, Keisha. Thank you for taking time to join us here at Energy Awareness Radio. How are you being? (laughs) I am very well, thank you, and thank you for having me, T. Oh, you're quite welcome. I like your book. It's really, it's, it's a fun book. You know, it's interesting, it's fun, it's light, it's practical, but the best part is that it all works. So do tell us, what was your inspiration to write this book? Mm. Yeah, so I was a coach. Um, I've been a coach for seven years. And one day I was driving home from a really cool Oprah event I went to. And I all of a sudden had this really interesting download of information that just sort of came to me. Um, And I started thinking, Mojo, your magical, original, joyful offering to the world. And I thought, well, that's a really interesting acronym. And it really didn't, I didn't think of it. It just sort of came. Um, I always mm-hmm. like the word mojo and I just think it's a fun word. And I, I like all the things that it kind of implies. And, and so it was funny. All of a sudden I started kind of hearing these uh, mojo killers in my mind. And so as fast as I could, I was a passenger. So luckily I could, uh, could, you know, record what I was kind of feeling and hearing and I just started writing everything down and, uh, you know, kind of just came up with a block of thoughts that turned into a class and then which then turned into a book. So, um, so that's kind of how the book came to be. But it really does kind of um, put together all of the things that I work with clients on um, in a nice, you know, digestible format with, you know, people that I'll never actually meet that will just find my book and, and hopefully it will help. So. So that's how that whole came, that whole thing came to be. You know, and, and you're right in that it is it is a compilation of so many different aspects that 
you know, you use, whether it's a um, psychology practice or a coaching practice, there's so many things that come into play and it is a compilation of that. And it's very well written. As I said, it is light. It's almost entertaining. You know, it, it's fun to, to go through so. because, well, yes. And, and that's important because people don't want to read academic things. You know, that's, that's for us to do. Then they, what we write needs to be nice for them to read so that they get it. <laughs> Nobody <laughs> exactly. wants to do that. Exactly. Out of school. But everyone now is saying, yeah. okay, what about the superpowers part? What about the superpowers part? What superpowers do I have? And I firmly believe that we all have superpowers <laughs> waiting to be unleashed, as you state. But you have to figure out what those superpowers are, what, what you have, and, and then move forward with that. So tell us, how do people figure out what their superpower is? And, okay, I need to preface this by saying, no, you're not going to get the superpower, make me invisible now. Okay, that was just for the introduction. <laughs> Although, Wouldn't that be nice, can, though? Yeah. yeah. You can, though. There are times when you're driving the road and people seem to be cutting you off and you think what am I invisible so you know maybe I don't know we just haven't tapped into that one yet <laughs> but how do how exactly do you figure out their superpower or powers right so there's lots of ways to figure this out so one of my favorite easiest ways to figure it out is ask people how they see you ask people to describe you and these would be people within your circle of trust these are people that you can trust that you know won't hurt you with this information later or, or do anything to make you, um, you know, feel uncomfortable or sad. So these are people within the circle of trust that can tell, you know, gosh, how do you see me? How would you describe me when you're talking to your friends? You know how we always have friends and when we're talking to someone else, we'll say, you know, my friend, the friend with the red hair who drives, you know, motorboats and and she she's a massage therapist. Remember her, you know, and, and so we, we have these ways that we describe people to others. And what's funny is a lot of those ways that people are describing us are actually part of our superpowers because it's the thing about us that stands out the most. So, um, so people, you know, describing me would say things like, oh, you know, she's, she's really, she's funny, she's intuitive, she's kind of a dork, you know, or, um, you know, she seems really peppy all the time, or, uh, you know, she, she really, she asks a lot of questions, you know, things like that. So those are just kind of little interesting things, but there's people that are saying things about you all the time. So first of all, asking people how they see you, what are the interesting things that kind of come that float up to the surface? And then um, looking even in uh, report cards from yourself when you were a kid or um, reviews that employers have given you, noticing what all the different descriptors people use about you. So you may be saying, well, okay, wait, so my superpower is that I'm chatty or my superpower is that I'm peppy? Like, that's kind of dumb. Um, but it's actually a really good signpost that's leading into something else. So, for example, so if we were going to say to you, T, okay, so, T, how do other people describe you? Like, what, what have no, we're you We're not heard? working on me here. kind of like go back to something about, you know, you that it's one of your superpowers. Well, there are, there are actually is quite a few ways that people have described me. Some probably that I don't hear that aren't very good. And then some that could be considered complimentary, but um, I am, <laughs> I'm very detail oriented. I'm very detail oriented mm -hmm. and very structured. Okay. So detail oriented and structured. Okay. So is that something that anybody's ever made fun of you for? 
Oh, yeah. Has anybody ever said to you, geez, so anal, what's the deal? So it's really interesting. Sometimes our superpower is something that people actually mock us for, in, in usually lightly and nicely. You know, sometimes it can be not so nicely. But um, so it's interesting. So if you're somebody who's very detail-oriented and structured, how perfect for you to have a radio show every week? Because I don't know about anybody else, but the idea of doing this blows my mind that you, you know, you read up on it. There's so much research. There's so much um detail that goes into being able to have something on every week that 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 one part of you is actually serving you to be able to have a radio show every week right so that's just one like little you know little thing where you would use that is up to you so um for me um one thing that people would say about me all the time was oh my gosh you're so sensitive you're so sensitive and so i didn't always love that. I was like, oh, gosh, I'm going to try to grow some thicker skin. Let's try that out. And it really didn't work very well. I tried really hard. <laughs> um, and there's times where I still wish I could grow a thicker skin. But actually what's been really interesting is that that's actually part of what makes me a very intuitive person and what makes me a good coach because I can feel what's going on with other people. And so I'm a very – I'm really good at being empathetic. So – that's one of my superpowers is being people really feel understood apparently, you know, when they work with me and when I'm, yeah. I'm kind of with them, which is really nice. Um, and so lots and lots of people have that characteristic, but they're trying to beat it out of themselves. Like I can't be this sensitive. I need to harden up and basically become something that we're not. And, and that's just not helpful. So what we want to do is really look at those things that are part of us, even if we've been made fun of them, uh, been made, of, made fun of for that, and really look at that and go, but this is a piece of who I am. So how can I actually use this in my life, in my career, in my relationships? So does that kind of explain that? Yes, and it also, you know, as far as um, having a, a thin skin, because I've been told I'm thin-skinned as well, and so my reaction to that is, you know, okay, well, this is, this is who I am, and it works for me. You know, so if people right. are making fun of the fact that, like, uh, when I'm doing a crystal bowl concert, because I play quartz crystal singing bowls as part of my therapy, and uh, mm -hmm. people will come to a concert in a group, and one person will say, you know, when is it going to start? And someone else might say, well, 2 o'clock. And they'll say, no, really, when does it start? And they'll say, no, this is tea. It starts at 2 o'clock. You're here at 2. She starts at 2. <laughs> I don't believe in punishing people that are there. If you are bought a ticket and you couldn't get there by 2, well, you know, I'm sorry, but it's starting at two. And mm -hmm. if you come in late, well, you're welcome, but not going to mm -hmm. punish the people that made it on time. So, you know, that works for me because it's my time too. And it's discourteous and disrespectful of people to show up late. So people have learned mm -hmm. you have to get there on time or you're going to miss a portion of it. I just think, you know, if you, if you can remember when people are saying things to you, sometimes when they say things to you, they actually say it because, well, in every case, actually, it's a mirror image of either something that they admire and want to aspire to or something that they cannot do, and therefore there's jealousy that comes through. It's on them. It's never on you. Mm -hmm. It's never mm -hmm. about you. It's on them. And to know that and just say, okay, this allows you not necessarily to get a thicker skin, but to be able to realize how to deflect what's going on because it's okay to have a thin skin. 
it's okay to be sensitive. You need to be sensitive. We're intuitive. That's what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to be, you know, very aware of what's going on. But it doesn't mean you have to take on somebody else's stuff because they might be saying things to you that are could be construed as hurtful and maybe hurtful. And it depends on who says it to you, too. Don't you find that true in your practice? Oh, when you work totally, with people? totally. Yeah, absolutely. It totally depends on who's saying it. And really, it's usually with the intention with which they're saying something. Um, right. You can kind of feel the energy behind what someone's saying, even if the words come across as maybe, you know, a little brusque. But if the energy is coming across as loving, you can tell that the person has your best interest at heart, for sure. Mm-hmm. And sometimes they, mm-hmm. you know, and, it, and sometimes when it's, a, uh, you know, in talking to, to clients, when you're in the middle of a therapy session and you're talking to people and they're telling you something, well, this is my friend, you know, you want to say, and I have said to people, you need to rethink that. That might not be yeah. a friend. That might not right. be a friend, you know, because friends don't do that. Friends don't intentionally hurt people. Mean girls are not intentionally, you know, mean girls are mean girls. And if you have a mean girl, that's your friend. You need to get rid of her. Because believe me, if somebody is talking about other people in front of you, they're talking about you behind your back, and you don't need that. And that can be very hurtful. So sometimes, and that, that's a superpower, to be able to acknowledge that it's not me, it's them. And this is not easy mm-hmm. to do. It's simple, but it's not easy to do because it takes practice. And you have to be able to remember, I need to be aware that this is not on me. This is on them. This is their baggage that they're bringing into this for whatever reason, whether it's jealousy, uh, c- comparison, or, you know, just because they're nasty, then that's on them. <laughs> it's, it's never on you. Mm-hmm. I mean, do you agree with that? Because right. Because I wholeheartedly I think do. that's Yeah. Yep. No, I do. I think the way that we see everybody is really a reflection of ourselves. So it's kind of, it's interesting because you're sort of segueing into a couple of things that I wrote about in the book. And mm-hmm. um, one of them, when you're talking about people in low, you know, I, I have a chapter called I've Got Friends in Low Places, which is one of the oh, most killers. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> I love that chapter. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so, you know, having friends in low places, they're people that bring you down. And if we are kind of a composite of the five people we spend the most time with, that's either a, oh, wow, that's awesome, or, oh, my gosh, maybe I need to get some new friends. Because, yeah, gosh. Those five people. <laughs> it's time to yeah. It's time to rethink this. Yes, make sure you're really thinking hard about it um, because, yeah, we, we live up or down to the environment that we are a part of. And you have to kind of wonder, you know, if your vibe attracts your tribe, you know, what kind of tribe are you attracting? So really looking at that. And if you have people that, you know, really bring you down and, you know, kind of a frenemy situation, you might want to look at how you're feeling and how you're treating yourself. Um, so that's, that's one of the things, but when you were talking about, you know, seeing other, seeing the qualities in others that we either really love in ourselves or qualities that we're jealous of in others, that's one of the things I ask people to do. It's one of the first, um, exercises in the book is to find your mojo idol, which is kind of hard for people sometimes. Some, if you're like me, it was really easy because I was always, as a child especially, um, pretending to be someone. You know, I was play, I was role playing all the time. Here, I'm Cher. I'm one of Charlie's Angels. I'm mm-hmm. Samantha Stevens on Bewitched. You know, I'm I'm pretending to be all these different things as a kid. And when I really looked at what did these people all have in common, there was a really strong sense of empowerment in these women, um, the bionic women. You know, she had all these cool superpowers. And um, I remembered really, really wanting some of that power as a child. 
um, you know, all of us really want that. But if you're a kid who's kind of grown up in a difficult circumstance, the idea of being a very empowered woman is a really exciting idea. So um, also, you know, like Cher is very, you know, she didn't care, you know, how other people saw her. She was just so um, unique in herself and didn't look like anyone else. And I just found her completely stunning and amazing. So if you look at, you know, people that you wanted to um, pretend to be as a kid or even like what your Halloween costume was as a kid, that's a really good indication, you know, because, you know, if you ended up with some crappy Halloween costume from, you know, some kid down the street that you had to wear, if it didn't really reflect uh, an inner desire of yours, it was kind of a bummer to have to wear that costume. Um, but when you get to really decide, you know, gosh, what part of my personality do I really want to highlight? That's what people do at Halloween. You know, it's a fun day to dress up and it's actually an indicator of, you know, what it is that's special about you, what kind of, what you really want to highlight about yourself. So, Figuring out who your mojo idol is is a really good way to see for yourself um, what's really important to me and how am I already like my mojo idol. So I, I gave a couple of examples. Um, one is a silly one like uh, Jimmy Fallon. You know, he's really funny. He's super goofy. He doesn't take himself too seriously. And he does really fun impersonations. So I really, really like him. And I think to myself, okay, so how, how does that reflect who I am? And really, it's just that goofiness um, and that mm-hmm. feeling of being able to not really care what other people think and allow myself to take things light and not be too serious. And people would say, I think that know me, that that is one of my superpowers and that I'm able to kind of translate that with other people in a group and kind of elevate the group. Um, and I try to kind of, you know, help the group to feel a lightness, um, especially if things get too heavy and off course. So, you know, that's just one way that we see that. So who are your idols? Who are the people that you've, you know, um, written on a, written a, a, you know, a, a book report about when you were a kid and what were the ideals that that person really embodied and what did you like about them? So it's a really good way to see what, you know, how, what you value and what you see in other people. It's a reflection of you. Yes, and I think that's a, a great start to the book because it, it can take people, it sets them up for the rest of the book because now they know, you know, pretty much where, they're, where they stand and what they're looking at instead of trying to, sometimes you have to read to the end of the book to find out, well, okay, now, I, now how did I figure out what this was? And, and you may not ever figure it out. You put it in the front so it gives people a good place to start. And one of the things you said is, is children have a difficult childhood. Also, they really feel empowered to or want to feel that empowerment, you know, to have the, the superpowers and everything. And while that's true, it also goes the other way. When there's a difficult childhood, sometimes there's so much fear that no one wants to, the child does not want to try to go, they don't feel that they deserve to be empowered in any way. They don't feel that, uh, you know, they might even get in trouble for saying things or doing things or acting in a specific way when they know that whatever the situation is, they have to act in a certain way or something bad may happen. And that's very difficult. So now that adults are reading this, and if you've come from that kind of a background, it's a great opportunity for you to take this book, which is so lighthearted and does bring you to a place where you will actually be able to go through and, and go back to your childhood and say, you know, I wasn't ready to do that because I was afraid if I started acting like myself, I would get in trouble. I might get beaten. You don't mm-hmm. know what 
the situation was. But this gives opportunity to so many people to figure out at this point in time, and it is never too late to figure out what it is that you can do to try to grow yourself from within. It's a great way to start. So that was the other thing about the book. It, it took things and, and, you know, I could see it from one perspective as well as the other and notice that this is great for somebody who just never bothered to have that playtime as a kid, who never, you know, was able to, they don't remember, like you said, a Halloween costume. Mm-hmm. What did you dress up as? Some kids don't remember. Some adults don't remember because yeah. it wasn't something that was important. So therefore it was the sheet with the holes in it. You know, you were always a ghost. Yeah. It was whatever, whatever was affordable. <laughs> right. That right. isn't necessarily what they want to do, though. So this this exercise alone, when I read through it, I thought, this is great, because you're going to ask yourselves, you know, what qualities do you like about that mojo idol that you're thinking about in your head? And it can be one from now. It doesn't have to be from before. You can see somebody, you know, somebody might say, oh, my gosh, Hillary Clinton, she just got, you know, made history. Isn't that a wonderful yep. thing? You know, so mm-hmm. that could be. And that alone right there aspires girls in the United States now to become anything they want. History was made, and right now, every little girl can have a dream and call it a reality. But there's no reason why anybody who's over the little girl age can, you know, can, uh, can't do that as well. So that's what I think the yeah. book helps a lot with, is to helping adults come to that conclusion as well. So I really, really liked that exercise, and, and I thought that that was well formatted in that you put it in the front of the book. Oh, good. Thanks. Yeah. And, you know, for using that example of Hillary Clinton, it's really important to know why you have her, why you revere her or hold her in esteem. So for because that will actually have a lot to do with you, too. So some people may think of her as, wow, she's just a powerful woman. Or some people will revere her and say, wow, she's had so much experience. Or, wow, look at how she turned herself from first lady to now the Democratic nominee. Holy cow, that's amazing. Or, wow, I really want a career in public service, and this person really personifies where I'd like to go. So there's, there's different reasons why certain people may, mm-hmm. be, may, may like her. And so same with everything else. And it's not even you know, a matter so, of liking her. You don't have to revere the person. You just have to look right. at where they've come from and what they're doing. It, you, may not, you may not vote for the person. You may not want the person. Right. You, might, you might just think, wow, history was made. This is a very cool thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's, it's a really good thing to, to be able to do. And, you know, when, you're, when you ask yourself, what is it about this person that kind of captivates me? You know, like if I if I look at Muhammad Ali, who obviously just passed mm-hmm. last week, right. um, you know, he, he's a wonderful mojo idol because he's so unique and so different and such a, a revolutionary kind of of his time. And while I never wanted to be a fighter, there wasn't anything about him <laughs> that I was like, oh, wow, how can I be like Muhammad Ali? For me, what I loved about and his, yep. his wit, his wit was so amazing. And, and also how he didn't care that he came across as boastful, that he was really celebrating the greatness that was within him and that that was so unheard of before, you know, it was such a, a strange thing to do, especially in the sixties and seventies. So mm-hmm. that's one thing that I really admire about him. Whereas other people may admire him because he's such an amazing athlete or, you know, an amazing um, civil rights activist or whatever. So, so knowing what it is about someone that really captivates you also is a clue to your own mojo. 
And yes, and I think that, um, you know, it's unfortunate that sometimes we don't learn enough about people until after they've passed. There were a lot of things I did not know about that man until after all of the stuff on TV was coming up, the things that he did and, and, and what he had gone through. So it's interesting to see that, too, because you can put a whole new light on it. And that right there teaches you, wow, you know, you really need to, instead of judging someone or comparing yourself with other people, learn a little bit more about them before you, you know, Mm-hmm. give up on them or say, yeah, they're not somebody I, I would want to deal with or whatever, because that, that happens a lot as well. One of the chapters that, um, another chapter, well, I liked all the chapters, but another one that was really interesting was the mistake of phobia chapter um, that was, you know, a mojo killer. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. as you said in the book, Einstein said, anyone who's never made a mistake has never tried, has, has never made a mistake, has never tried anything new. And we all make mistakes. Mm-hmm. You know, it's up to us to take responsibility for them. And it's a whole lot easier uh, than, than we think. You know, we fear mm-hmm. rejection and loss of friends in the very worst case scenarios. But if you own up and you take responsibility and sincerely, and I do mean sincerely, apologize, it's never as bad as we conjure up in our heads, you know. Uh, but if you apologize and then become what I would construe as an habitual apologizer, you know, in other words, you... <laughs> You do the same thing over and over again, and you constantly say, oh, I'm sorry I did that, and then you do it again. You say, oh, I'm sorry I did that. Well, that's that's just bad. That's <laughs> just a poor excuse, you know. <laughs> that's, that's just not learning a lesson. It's not, you know. You know, because most people yeah. want to see people succeed, you know, and they become our greatest cheerleaders. So when you apologize up front, you take accountability it can be challenging, it can be hard, but it's well worth the effort to show that you're professional, you're accountable, you're responsible, you're, you're willing to, to make a go of it. And, you know, those who aren't cheering you on, who purposely and intentionally move forward with negative agenda, they have baggage that belongs only to them and they need to deal with that themselves. It's not up to us to fix another person, you know, but I think that, you know, I think it was Maya Angelou who said, the people who matter don't mind and the people who mind don't matter. It really is that simple, <laughs> don't you mm-hmm. think? <laughs> yeah, no, it is. And, I mean, I think the the part about um, being able to come clean quickly if you make a mistake and apologize quickly and, and trying to make amends, trying to make it right um, if you've made a mistake or if just there's been a mistake in in your interaction with someone, I think that's just – one of the biggest things, but also if we just think of just making mistakes in general, not to hurt someone else, but, oh my gosh, I'm afraid to try, um, you know, this career because I'm afraid I'll, I won't make it. I'm afraid I won't succeed. I'm afraid it'll be a waste of money or time. And that's the part that really gets me because my gosh, if we think about how many people in the world have have really persevered with an invention or with their art or, you know, anything that you can think of. And they've really had to try and persevere to get it into the public awareness or consciousness. My gosh, you know, if people gave up too soon, we wouldn't have the things that we do. And then what I think then is, well, gosh, how many things are being hidden under a bed or, you know, in a closet somewhere because people are afraid to come out into the light and really show um, you know, what they're capable of or, or what they're working on because, you know, it's scary to show someone um, that something you really, really care about. And, and I always think, well, gosh, that's really a really good indication. The fear around being able to show someone something is, 
kind of an indication of how important it is to you and that you really, really care about it. So I kind of, I use this example a lot where I used to teach kindergarten and I'm a terrible artist and I really have no shame about that because I don't really care. I have, I have (laughs) um, good, good things. I have good other things and that's not one of them. And so, you know, I would make some (laughs) awful drawing, you know, it would be, you know, it's supposed to be a goat and it would look like grapes, you know, and the kindergartners would say, Oh, Mrs. Kangos. That's not a goat. That's grapes. And I would say, oh, gosh. And they say, but that's okay. You're a really good singer, <laughs> which is really sweet. You know, the kids are, kids are so sweet, you know, to pick you up. But, um, but I really didn't care because I knew that's not where my strength is. So it doesn't bother me. But if I were an artist who had spent years and years perfecting a drawing, to show it to someone would be really scary because I'd be afraid of rejection, which tells me I really care about it. So allowing that fear to really direct you to knowing what you care about. Does that, right. that make sense? Yeah. It makes so, complete sense. Yeah. yeah. And I will say, kids are honest. They don't care yeah, either, they are. you know? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> They're your because best they barometer. Really are. They really are. Really are. They're the best barometer you have. When you ask them something, they will tell you the truth. They will just oh, tell God. you the flat out truth. <laughs> yep. They really will. They're awesome. It's so great. Yeah. So, you know, all of the mojo killers are actually one. um, It's it's all about fear. So fear in one shape or another really does make up all of the mojo killers. So just, you know, kind of just getting to the point, fear is the biggest mojo killer there is. Um, So, you know, being able to recognize when you're in fear and what defense mechanisms you're kind of putting up is very, very helpful to be able to see what you care about and what you really stand for. Absolutely. And, you know, and there are I mean, there were so many that that were good that were uh, that I think people don't uh, really realize are mojo killers. They don't understand you know, sometimes when something's happening, for instance, the energy vampires and boundaries, that was a great chapter, too, because this is a topic that I believe a lot of people miss. They're not necessarily aware of the energy vampires in their life. And, and you know, because of that, they don't set the appropriate boundaries that would preclude the energy from being sucked out of them, if you will. You know, I, I think that sometimes yes. they just figure your people are kind of negative and, oh, they have to put up with this. But that's a really difficult one to deal with because it's not always easily recognizable. Yeah. Energy vampires. That's a, that's a really difficult one because a lot of times energy vampires are really close in your circle. It may be a parent or a, or a brother or sister or your mate. So it could be your best friend or your boss or a coworker that you spend a lot of time with and seemingly may not have a lot of control over how much time you spend with them. So it's really important to feel in your body how you feel when you are around certain people. So I always use the example of when I'm talking to clients, and this is a big, huge deal when I'm talking with clients because, you know, of how impactful an energy vampire can be on your life. When you are in a social situation, you may not realize when you are being sucked upon by an energy vampire. We're in our social selves at that point. You know, we're kind of like, all right, I'm in. I'm at the party. Here I go. Or I'm at work. What you'll notice, though, is when you're on your way home. So if you're on the train on the way home or in your car or whatever, notice how you feel about 10 minutes later and notice what you're thinking about. So, If you find yourself ruminating about, 
why is this person doing the same thing over and over again? Or why? I feel like I'm always giving so much sympathy to this person. Or gosh, they, they it's one thing after another. Or why do I feel so awful? Why do I feel um, disempowered right now? Or why do I have a stomach ache or a headache? Or why does my chest hurt? Really paying attention to how you physically feel when you've left someone's company is a really important indication of whether this person is a healthy person for you to be around. I can't stress it enough. It's, and your body will not let you down with that information. So there's, there's a saying about it's not what's wrong with you, it's who's wrong with you. And right. I see that so, so often. And sometimes we're the energy vampire. So, you know, being really conscious about how are you representing yourself out there and what is it that you're trying to gain from your interactions? Are you trying unconsciously to get, get other people's energy through either, you know, uh, sympathy or uh, love or, you know, compassion? What is it that you're trying to draw from someone else? What's the purpose of that interaction? And, you know, really being honest with ourselves about what is it? But most of the people that are listening to this are very sensitive people, so they're usually the prey. <laughs> right, exactly. So, yeah, yeah. If you're into energy, you're really usually pretty adept at being able to make sure that you're not. You're usually the empath who, um, by the way, you know, narcissists love an empath because it's yeah, just yeah. their favorite place to play, right? <laughs> That's exactly yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because it's like the perfect, you know, yin and yang, right. Of the energy sandwich. It's just, you know, look, there's a host I can pray on. Look at all that beautiful sparkly energy. I would like some of that please. And then, you know, before you know it, you're very sleepy, very, very sleepy. So noticing what that feels like. One time I was at a, at a graduation with someone that, uh, was a guest of the, the person graduating. And by the end of the day, after spending as much time with him as I did, my entire family was completely wiped out, like as if we had just given bone marrow, you know, it was mm -hmm. unbelievable. And it, I think a lot of that happens too, when you feel like you can't completely be yourself, you feel like you have to um, be on guard, first of all, and the feeling of wow, what is going on here and having to be really polite when maybe someone else isn't being polite. So noticing that in an energy vampire too, because if you, just because you're trying to use the boundaries that you use normally with other people, an energy vampire may not recognize those very obvious symptoms as in, you know, okay, I really need to get off the phone now. I need to go back to work. And then they start in with another conversation. You can't right. get off the phone, you know, those kind of things where it's like, they're not respecting your boundary. Um, so, you know, pay attention to that too. And, and it's usually people that you wouldn't necessarily think, oh my gosh, really? This person is an energy vampire because they're, they're close. So notice how you feel. Yeah. Cause when they're close, you want to help them if there is something going on, but in reality, you need to stress again and say, I'm sorry, but I really need to, I really need to cut this short and hang up on you now because I'm in the middle of doing something. You really have to learn their language. And I had a conversation with a friend once who said, but that can be rude. And I said, if that's the language they speak, then you best, you know, sharpen your rude language and learn how to use it <laughs> because with certain people, it, whatever the language is that they're using, you have, they only understand what they're giving out. So if someone is being rude to you and, and you don't have to be rude back by, you know, using nasty language or anything, but by simply mm -hmm. turning it around and saying, no, I'm sorry, I have to do this. And, and, you know, et cetera, I have to go on. I have to, I have to, um, 
finish something. I can't deal with this right now. I have too much on my plate. I have to put you on the back burner. Whatever it is, that's not really rude. When people call up in the, you know, during dinner time, I do not answer the phone. Then people will say, mm-hmm. well, I know you were home. Yes, I was. I was eating dinner. I was preparing dinner. I was cleaning up after dinner, and that was not your time. And everybody knows, mm-hmm. you know, and if you choose to call, leave a message. But it's up to me to decide if I want to take that call. If I took the call, you know, and then said I, I was expecting a call, and now I need to hang up because we're eating dinner, I don't think that that's rude. But other people do because they placed a phone call, and they need to speak with you. No, you're interrupting my time. I don't think it's rude to tell you why I can't speak with you right now. You really have to figure out what your boundaries are. And be comfortable with them, knowing it's okay. It's always okay to stop, take a breath, and then turn around and say something to them in the language that they are speaking because clearly that's all they understand. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, you can use your nicest, most polite, and you're trying as hard as you can to be able to feel good about the interaction, to be able to feel good about hanging up or, or leaving. And, boy, if that person is – that person – Usually a really good energy vampire is pretty skilled at being able to keep you in the web. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah. they know what they're doing because they've, they've lived, they've, they've been around, they know what works. And so what happens is they just kind of catch you off guard when you're like, oh my gosh, really? And so one way I, I get myself out of feeling rude about that is go, would I ever do this to someone else? You know, if I, if someone had told me once, gosh, you know, Keisha, I really have to go. That's my time to say, no problem, I'll talk with you later. And let right. that person go, for God's sake. You and know? not Don't be upset talking about it. And talking. No. And not be upset about, about it. Right. Right. Yeah. 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 Exactly. It, it, I know. That's a big one. It, it <laughs> really boy, will is. That suck your mojo. It, it really will. It'll suck it clean off your bones, for real. I mean, if you're in the midst of some very, very close relationships with people that are not respecting your boundaries, boy, that will really suck the life out of you. And that's a big deal. It is a big deal because sometimes people will say things later, like, I know you were home. I drove by your car was in the yard. I know you were there. Okay, stop stalking me, number one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. You know, and, and understand that you are not my end all. I'm supposed to be my own end all. You are not that important to me. You don't want to say that to the person, but they really, it needs, the point needs to be driven home that they are not the first and foremost priority in your life. And yet they will try to bring you down, you know, and make Mm -hmm. themselves the most important thing to you. It's one thing when you're in, you know, you're speaking with someone and you're giving them 100% of your attention. But when the time is up, the time is up. I'm sure you you realize this in the work that you're doing. I have 50-minute sessions, okay? When the time is up, the time is up. I can't give you any more because the next person coming in – it's going to be late, you know, and I can't do that. Mm. So people understand mm. that. But it's more difficult when, as you said, when it's with friends or people you know that I need to get back to work, I need to do whatever. People, you really have to be careful of that and be aware that this is what's happening. And take the lesson, too, that you can check and say, do I do this? Like you just said. Yeah. Do I? And yeah. I need to make sure that I don't do this because it really feels not good. Yeah, and the better you get at this, the less you'll have people asking you, I knew right. you were home, why didn't you pick up the phone? Because right. I can tell you right now, I don't have those people in my life anymore nope. because I put a stop to it. Because yep. the more you're able to draw a boundary, the, the better the circle of people around you and the more respectful of your time and energy that they are. Because you've taught, you've taught people, you've put, a, you've put out a clear energetic indicator of what you will and will not accept. And, and your you tribe know, of people will rise to that. 
Yes, they, yes, and, and what that means is, just so that we're clear, so people aren't thinking, oh, my friends are all going to get better. Not necessarily. That means that you're going to lose friends and get new friends. Yep. <laughs> you know? Yes, it, it could does. be that. Exactly. <laughs> you know? Yeah, it's not and that especially if they're change. the <laughs> Yeah, if somebody's asking you, hey, I know you're home, why aren't you picking up? This is not someone I want in my life because <laughs> that's the kind of behavior that's re- re- literally reserved for an emergency. Someone had better be bleeding or on fire to behave that yeah, way. Right, exactly. As far as I'm exactly. concerned, you know. So yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, you know, there, there is no, there is no, uh, there's no excuse for stalking. There's no excuse for being mean. There's no, no excuse for so many things. Those are the people that you need to just say, you know what. Just like Mr. Wonderful on Shark Tank, you're dead to me. <laughs> you have to you have to forward and let them go. You know, you really do have to do that. It's Hit hard at first, Jack. but you get mm-hmm. used to it. You know, you get used to the fact that well, they're no longer in my life, and it's okay. You know, so it's hard at first to do, but after a few days, you get past it, and then you realize a couple of weeks later that oh, I'm good with this. It, it works. You actually feel better. Which, and this is actually leads me into the uh, so many women in particular have trouble saying. No. And, and it goes like this. Can you, can you babysit for the kids on Thursday? Oh, and in your head, you're thinking you can't. You say, oh, all right, because you can't say no. And then someone else asks you to bake cookies for the, uh, you know, the, the birthday in, in the school. Uh, okay, all right, mm-hmm. I'll do that. Can you come to a PTA meeting? Oh, all right. Now, the minute somebody who's always saying yes says no, the people asking will say, well, why? Mm-hmm. Now, that's a really good thing to do to somebody who always says yes because then they'll back down and they'll say yes again and everybody knows that trick it's also mean to do that because it's really none of your business i never say to anybody why i'll say oh, okay and i move on it's none of my business yep. we need to take that on as a person doing the asking because some people just don't have the strength they're not empowered enough to say no they need to learn to say no and we as women need to stick together so anybody out there who is saying, well, I always say yes, how do I say no efficiently? You just say no, and if someone says why, you say, why do you want to know? And if they say, well, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm curious, I want to know, you know, if there's a, I mean, if somebody had the audacity to say, I want to know if it's a good enough reason, you can always say, it's personal, <laughs> I don't want to tell you. Or if they say, you know, um, I'm just curious, say, oh, okay, and turn around and walk away. Allow them to be curious. <laughs> you do not have to suffice. You don't. You don't have to no. give them an answer. No. It's really No, simple. I mean, no. No is a complete sentence, and if you'd like, you know, excuses. Someone told me once I loved this. Um, Gosh, what did she say? Something like um, explanations are a courtesy. And yes. that's if you want to give it. I, I really just say no by saying, gosh, I'm so sorry. I can't do that right now. My, my plate is full. Poof, done, end of story. And right. that's it. That's good enough. So um, I get to be polite. And that's it. And if it's something I really do want to do again, so say it's an an invitation to someone's house for dinner or something, I say, oh, gosh, I'm so sorry I can't come. Please ask me again, which means I'm really, really interested in doing this. I would never say that if I'm not really interested in coming back. That's right. So, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you wouldn't want to do that. Because if you don't speak up for you, who will? That's right. And you need to take care of you. But more importantly, you don't even have to say anything more than the word no. And people have trouble. So many women have said to me, but I can't just say no. And I say, why? Why can't you just say no? And they'll say, because you need to give them a reason. I'm like, no, you do not. You owe no one any explanations for anything. You need to take the Nancy Reagan approach. Just say no. That's all you have to do. (laughs) Just say no. And, And people will look at me and then they'll come back a week later and say, you know, T, I tried it and it worked and it felt good. And I'm like, yep. And what did they say? Well, then they said, oh, well, why? And I've just said, mm-hmm. 
just know you can always say, I choose not to. It's your choice if they don't like that. But everybody thinks, and it's so, you know, if you can really, really make a, a, a presentation go flat if you put people together in groups of two and say to them, each of you talk about how busy you are, and you watch the one-upmanship go on. Well, I've got this to do, and I've got this to do got this to do and then the other person starts in with well and I have this and this and then this happened and and you can see the energy in the room will change drastically simply because yeah 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 I'm, because I'm pretty tired of are, that aren't you aren't you tired of asking people how they are and they say busy and they tell you is not <laughs> no 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 that's that's the chapter I call all work and no play is, exactly. you know, you, oh, I'm so, I'm so busy. I'm so busy being busy. And I'm going to talk about how busy I am. Um, mm-hmm. You know, we really have time for the things that we really want to have time for. And that is okay. And if that doesn't, if that includes not doing whatever it is that someone else would like you to do, that's okay too. So yeah, busy, busy is a big thing in our culture, isn't it? Gosh, you know, mm-hmm. God forbid we ever say, oh, I'm just hanging out. <laughs> Well, you feel guilty if you do that. Yeah. Then the guilt you're not, you're not like, well, yeah, exactly. I'm not allowed to take time off. I'm not allowed to have any downtime. I'm not allowed to hang out. I'm not allowed to do this. And yet you're allowed to go and maybe get a manicure or a massage, but you don't tell anybody. Nobody's going to know when they see you manicured nails that you went because that just happened overnight. (laughs) And no one came and did it. So, you know, but nobody will admit that this is what they do. And it's really, it's sad. It's really sad because women should stick together and, and understand that we, we need each other. We, we absolutely need to be able to, you know, help each other up and give each other a leg up. And you're only going to do that if you're supporting each other instead of just beating each other over the head with how busy you are. You know, that's very yeah, stressful. This- and it's a time. Yeah, yeah. I've actually found these wonderful women. It's been pretty amazing. And and the way I found those women was by learning my own boundaries and treating myself the way I want to be treated and not allowing people to treat me badly. And it's interesting how the wonderful group of people at such a wonderful level of love and compassion have come into my life in all of these different ways once I learned to really value myself. So by doing this, I promise you, you will have a much better level of companionship in your life because you'll have people around you that don't want to take advantage of you, that want to be able to support you. And, and if, if your friend is very tired that weekend, you say, good, honey, you rest. You just take it. You take it easy. You need to do that. And validate, you know, what, what it is that you really need to do for you instead of pushing their own agenda. So it's been yeah, wonderful. And- and everything that you've done that you learned the hard way, and we all do, you then succinctly put into this book, the little book of Big Mojo, so that mm-hmm. people don't have to go through what you went through, and they can just read this, do the exercises, answer the questions there throughout the book, read the stories, and get your mojo back, because it's really not that difficult. It's really, well, no. I shouldn't say that. It, it's very simple, but it's not always easy to do. Some of the things yeah. people may find difficult, but that's okay. That's how you grow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it, I think you're saying that it's, it's simple, but it's not easy is really right. apt. I really do. Yeah, mm-hmm. but it can. It can become easier and easier. And really what it is is a, 
it's not a process of adding on to yourself. Like I need to learn more, do more, be faster, stronger. It's really stripping down who you really are and really valuing that beautiful essence of who you are. That's really what it's about. I mean, for me, coaching is a process of undoing, undoing icky beliefs, undoing all kinds of programming and things that just don't work for you, ideas and beliefs that just are not serving you, and kind of getting to the place where you can really live your own life without looking over your shoulder and wondering if what you're doing is okay and acceptable. And you can see the proof in your own life when it's going well. So. That's a, it's, it's a really freeing process not to have to, oh, gosh, I have to stick to this system or do this hard thing. It's, it's not about that at all. It's actually much easier to live this way than to, you know, be constantly at everyone else's beck and call and to be able to, um, to just be freer, to be freer in your life and enjoy, what, enjoy your time. Enjoy your time here, people. <laughs> and you'll actually yeah. – you'll you'll find you will get more time because you won't be spending time talking about how busy you are. I mean, time is a precious commodity. We all get a certain amount. We just don't know how much it is. And the way that we choose to spend it is up to us, but there's no one you can go to and say, you know, I want to return this, this process that I did because can I have more time back? You know, you can return yeah. items and, or services and get your money back. You cannot get more time. So if you're looking no. for more time, This is a process to help you get more time and be happier about the time that you have and the people that you're spending time with and see new people coming in. It's a great book to do all of those things. Again, it's the little book of Big Mojo. And I think that, you know, if you can check it out and and read it and go through it, you're going to find a whole lot of different things that you weren't aware of that you will be aware of. And you'll find your life gets a whole lot easier. And you'll even if you think you have your mojo back, you'll just get more of it. I can't believe we're almost at the top of the hour, Keisha. But before we go, how did that happen? I know we we were talking. (laughs) Would you please tell our listeners how they can learn more about you and where they may purchase your book, The Little Book of Big Mojo, The Secret Dakota Ring to Unleash Your Superpowers? Yes. So you can find me at my website, which is Keisha Gallegos. It's K-E-I-S-H-A Gallegos, G-A-L-L-E-G-O-S.com or the Mojo Whisperer, easier to spell, uh, Mm -hmm. .com. And um, you can find me on Facebook. Uh, My business page is called the the Mojo Whisperer. And um, you can check out the classes that I offer. My book is available at Amazon. It's also available uh, on iBooks and on Nook. And probably at every local bookseller as well. <laughs> I'm, I'm working on it. I'm working on getting okay. it out there. Well, yeah. I'm sure if people yeah. go into their bookseller and they wanted it, they would order it for them. That's happened with other authors Absolutely. that if they didn't have a book in stock, they will order it for you so you don't have to worry about, you know, it's nice to shop local. So if you can do that, go ahead and support your local bookseller. It's been great Absolutely. having you on air, Keisha. Thank you so much for taking time to join us here at Energy Awareness Radio. Thank you so much, T. It was a pleasure. Thank you. Ah, You're quite welcome. So listeners, we need you to spread the word. We know you enjoy what you hear on Energy Awareness Radio, so please share it with your friends. We live in a very challenging and constantly changing world, and that's why I have the guests that I do, to keep you apprised so you won't get lost in the dross of life. We need to stay aware so we can navigate easily and live the life we are meant to live, productively, healthfully, purposefully, and with our mojo. This is where you find the tools to do just that. So send the link for this show to everyone you know and let them have the same opportunity that you just had so they can learn and grow and make the world a better place for all as well. 
On behalf of everyone here at Energy Awareness Radio, I'd like to thank all of our listeners for tuning in. My name is T. Love, and I hope you'll be back next week for another great show here at Energy Awareness Radio. For more information about me, please visit my website, quantumwellness.org, or you can visit my new nonprofit children's foundation, Bonafide501c3 Corporation, sojihuggles.org. We are helping children in need in this country who uh, they don't have food, they don't have shelter, they don't have clothing, and we're aiming to change all of that. So go check that out. That's on Facebook. For more information about me, please visit my website, quantumwellness.org. You will find an archive list of past shows, lineup for upcoming shows, as well as information about other upcoming events that I'll be hosting, including my sound healing concerts and labyrinth walks. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter at NRG Aware Radio. That's at NRG Aware Radio. I am your host, T Love, here at Energy Awareness Radio, intending you and yours a most wonderful week. Remember, living from your heart is quite easy. You need only give thanks to do so. Take care and stay well. It's not a hand.